0: Sit down, strap in, and granny put your teeth in your pocket. Lead Lap Radio, powered by HMS Motorsport. The leader in motorsport
1: safety starts now. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Lead Lap, the show where we talk all things motorsports and focus especially on what's going on in the Carolinas region, but also all the top stories of the day. And uh, we have got some breaking news to start the show. Basically an update
2: on the Tyler Dipple situation. You didn't do that right. I'm sorry. I'm just cutting off that. You did not do that right.
1: I did not. What did I do wrong, Mr. Producer? By the way, this
2: is you James Mellon. You didn't do it like... It's normally done, the breaking news here by Jacob. Oh, that's right. Well, we and Jacob's listening,
1: right. so let, let me try to do my best Jacob Seelman, who's not uh, here tonight, breaking news, but actually I'm not going to do the breaking news just yet, because I have to tell everybody who I am first. My name is Tom Baker. And I am joined in the studio here at WSIC in Statesville. Our new home for motorsports in the Carolinas, uh, Charlotte region, Lake Norman region, James Mellick is producing. We have got two special guests tonight, one by phone on the Strutmasters.com hotline and one going to be joining us in the studio. The first special guest is none other than Kaz Gralla, who's going to join us in just a short time from now on the Strutmasters.com hotline to talk about his top five run in the hot scream Richard Triller's Racing Xfinity Series car. It's spicy ice cream, folks. He'll tell us about that, too. And then a little way around in the program, uh, Bobby Mac, Bobby McCarty, who picked up the win over the weekend in the Cars Tour late model stock event, will join us as well. He'll be here in the studio with us. So If you are listening to us on the Performance Motorsports Network, hello. If you are watching us on Daystar TV channel 25.2 in Charlotte, hello to you as well. We've got a big show for you tonight and we're excited about that. So uh, we're also going to do something we haven't done before. We're going to open up the phone lines a little bit later in the program. So if you want to give us a call... We'll tell you the number later, and uh, if anybody wants to call and talk racing in the last half hour, we're going to open up the phone lines at 830 Eastern for you to do that. So with that, let's get to um, the breaking news story. Breaking news. Um, Tyler Dipple. this is not a story that I really enjoy talking about, but we must, because it is um, big news in the truck series or was big news in the truck series It was announced just prior to the weekend's racing uh, for the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series at uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park that Tyler Dippel had been indefinitely suspended from NASCAR. And that, at the time, was for actions detrimental to the sport, is how NASCAR presented it. There wasn't a lot of detail in their announcement and we now have an update, and I'm looking at speedsport.com uh, here. Um, but uh, Fox Sports uh, is, I think, the initial um, f- source that released this. But uh, Tyler Dipple was uh, arrested last week, in fact, in New York, his hometown of Wallkill, New York, to be exact, uh, on August the 18th. And he was arrested for traveling in excess of 80 miles per hour. Now, uh, he was arrested by New York State police after they stopped him. And when they spoke to him and his unnamed passenger, each of them offered different stories about where they were coming from and where they were going. That's the first not-good sign. Second not good sign is Dipple gave troopers consent to search the vehicle, which is when the troopers discovered the drugs amphetamine and dextroamphetamine in a pill bottle with someone else's name on it inside a backpack. The drugs, of course, are often found in the prescription drug Adderall. Second not good part of the situation. So as a result of this, Dipple was charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance seventh degree his court date set for the 28th of August at 9 a.m. in Middletown New York um, the third not good part of this is something I did not know until I read this particular story on speed sport but this is not Dipple's only brush with the law this year according to the story he was also charged with reckless driving earlier this year in Virginia and um, And so he was later convicted of the lesser charge of improper driving. As a result of all of this, he was obviously not able to race the Zero Two truck this weekend. He was he's still he's obviously indefinitely suspended from NASCAR. And one would think this is going to be a very, uh, very uh, murky road for him to come back to NASCAR. But uh, DJ Kennington replaced him in the truck And whenever I read something like this, here's, in a a nutshell, here's what I think about. I think you got to look at this. I mean, everybody's rushing to judgment. There's a part of the fan base that just, it's the, and I'm doing air quotes here, spoil little rich kid kind of thing. You know, you hear so often of these young athletes and their issues with the law and, you know, their behavior issues sometimes. I think you got to look at two things here. Number one, this is a sport where it demands that you be located in a certain region in order to best have a shot at competing and interacting with it. And, you know, you have a lot of drivers who are transient. In other words, they come from different parts of the country And what bothers me about when I see a situation like this is that here's a kid who's 19. He's living on his own here in the general area of Charlotte, we'll say. Um, But he's from originally New York. And not unlike a lot of other young athletes in a lot of other sports, he's 19 and you end up I think to a point sometimes when you're on your own too much and you're in a situation where you've got all this freedom and you start doing things now, you know, it's obvious that he's got a little bit of a heavy right foot and that's where I'm going to leave it in terms of the situation that exists because James, we don't really know what was going on with, The pills, I'm not even going to go there except to say that that's not good. No, that's not good at all. Um, And I think sometimes um, there's nobody on a daily basis involved in some of these athletes' lives to really keep close track of them and, and to hold them accountable for behavior. Yeah. So, so and, and you see this in football, you see, it in ba- you see it in basketball, you see it in baseball, you see it in all the sports. You see a lot of these young athletes, and, it, and it's the same of a young person of any age going to college. They get dropped off at the dorm, yep. and the parents go away. And here's, here's the, the irony. To I tell the kids all the time who are in this situation, you're going to get there. And your parents are going to drive away. And the good news is you're on your own and there's nobody telling you what to do. The bad news is you're on your own and there's nobody telling you what to do because the world is suddenly your oyster and there's all these temptations in front of you. And there's nobody really looking at you saying don't. And... So whenever I see a situation like this and I know Tyler and I know his mom and I know who he is, um, it bothers me because I look at this and I see all the negative reaction to him on social media and all of the, the name calling and whatever else is going on. This is a 19 year old. This is a human being.
2: I got something I was listening to. I want to chime in. Go ahead. It's funny how you brought up football right there. Because I was listening to Sport Talk on the way over here, and there was a guy that's on there, pretty famous, probably won a couple national champions you might know, Nick Saban. Yes. Um, He brought up something that when he was at Michigan State, there was a young man by the name of Mushmo Muhammad. He played football for the Carolina Panthers here. Got in a lot of trouble. People wanted him to kick this young man off of the football team. He said, I'm not going to do that. He punished him the way he wanted to punish him as a head coach. That guy is now a president of a corporation, and his daughter is a student at Princeton. Wow. At 19 years old, he got in trouble. He changed his life. We can't—and he pretty much said in that whole thing, he said, you can't judge somebody for something they did at a young age. You can't ridicule them because of that. That's basically what he said in that whole statement.
1: See, that's—and and that's the thing for me, too, is that, you know, I don't want to make too little of this. This is serious. It's very serious stuff. Um but I also don't want to make too much of this other than the fact that it's really serious stuff. In other words, you know, he and the first young man or young person to get into this kind of a situation, he ain't going to be the last. He needs obviously to take some time and, and take some stock in where he's at and what's going on. And he obviously is going to have some issues to sort through, but I really wish people would not lower themselves to just, you know, be so personally uh, insulting and all of the negative comments. These, you know, these kids, when this happens, they need people to lift them up and to, to put them back where they need to be and to teach them how to do this life better. Um, I don't know what Tyler's NASCAR future is. I don't know what his racing future is, period. What I do know is that it's certainly not too late. And hopefully Tyler will realize before he does some this something even more serious happens, you got to kind of chill out a little bit and, you know, get things back on track. But he's perfectly capable of that. And he's a smart kid. He's got a lot of talent. He's shown that talent. He just needs to make better choices, not unlike many of us when we were his age. And with that, I'm going to step aside. When we come back, we've got coming up our first special guest of the evening, Kaz Gralla. right around the turn. League Lap continues on the Performance
3: Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Louis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Hi, this is Ross Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio.
1: Now, back to the show. Welcome back to League Lap here on the Performance Motorsports Network and also on Daystar, channel 25.2, TV in Charlotte, Tom Baker with you on a Monday night talk in motorsports. And we are about to bring up our first special guest of the evening on the Strutmasters.com's The Suspension Experts Hotline. It's Kaz Gralla. Kaz, welcome to Lead Lap. Good to have you on the program. Thank you, Tom. It's uh, good to talk to you. Congratulations on an outstanding run over the weekend at road america tell us a little bit about the your weekend there because the uh hot screen chevy was pretty strong there all weekend long it seemed
0: it sure was yeah Uh, practice wouldn't have shown it because man we couldn't catch a break every time we'd bolt on new tires and have a clean lap going uh the caution would come out and we'd end up with a heat cycle and some laps on the tires before we even put a time down so we didn't look that great going into Saturday, but I knew that the Hot screen Camaro was going to be fast. Um, and uh, I, I don't think we qualified quite as good as I was hoping. Um, that's one thing I can say, being a part-time driver. It's tough to jump in and qualify in the morning when you're not in the seat every week and know just how much you can get out of the car um, in a single lap. So I qualified 11th, but I, I knew that we were going to race good, and that we did. We, we drove up into the top 10, and... Stage one, we short pitted it, um, set ourselves up for a good track position in stage two, and and it worked out. We got up to second, held on for a, a good while, um, and slipped back, still in the top five uh, of that stage, and got ready to short pit again, and unfortunately, I made a mistake on pit road. I slipped the car off the jack, um, and the right front changer didn't get all the lug nuts on, so Ouch. I had to come back to pit road to, to get the rest of the lug nuts. Um, and of course at that point that had killed our track position. So we went from, well, we would have restarted stage three and third, and we ended up restarting at the tail end of the longest line. Um, so that set us back quite a bit, but it it was a fun charge up through the field. I, uh, got up to ninth under green flag and then the caution came out for that late race restart and, uh, the 22 pitted. So I restarted eighth and was able to drive up to Fit, so I'd say considering the hiccup in the middle of the race, uh, a P5 finish was a pretty good recovery for our RCR team, and um, it, it was definitely cool to to have speed this weekend and and have a a good solid run. Other than that one problem, it was a pretty clean race as far as the on track portion of it. So it was it was a blast.
1: Well, it sounds like uh, it, you know every once in a while you have a race like that where you the the good part I think for you is that. It's such a big course. I mean, even though you had that miscue on pit road, you got a a lot of time to kind of make up for that. I would think that probably if you were going to have that situation happen, uh, Road America, not a bad place for it just because you have so much time, uh, you know, to to try and recover. Um, And that course just looks like it is so much fun to drive.
0: It really is. It's one of my favorite tracks. Um, I don't have a ton of experience there. I, I only had the one Xfinity race there previous, but um, it's it's a lot of fun there, and it's, it's a great track for, for our cars, for stock cars. Uh, you've got a good mix of fast corners, slow corners, heavy braking zones. You certainly can't argue that the track doesn't have passing zones, because you could pass it about five different places in yeah. the track, so it makes for a great race, and um i I wish i wish i could do it over again and uh (laughs) without that mistake and see where we could have been because we we battled the 20 car for a a long time in stage two and traded the position back and forth we were side by side throwing slide dots crossovers on each other and obviously he went on to win the race so i think we were pretty good and maybe with the track position could have given him a run for his money at least would have had a shot um but but still, a top five is nothing nothing to be disappointed about by any stretch. And especially with that being my last scheduled race of the year with RCR, it was a really positive note to end it on, and one that maybe could even lead to me uh, being able to find funding for another race. That's what I'm working on now is seeing if I can parlay this into maybe a sixth start. But as of right now, that, that was my final race of the season.
1: Well, you finished behind Chris Bell, Austin Sindrick, Tyler Reddick, and Noah Gregson. So that basically is the big three that we've been talking about the entire season, or three of the big four, we'll say. And then Noah, who's just been improving all season long, so um, certainly not bad at all to be fifth there. And I would say that just uh, as kind of a one of those little friendly ha-ha kind of things, finishing behind you in sixth, your good buddy Justin Haley.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he actually was in front of me going into uh, the last lap. He had passed me, and he missed a gear on a downshift into turn one because I think I got in his head, missed the corner, and I got him <laughs> back. He was pretty pissed at himself over that. But, hey, I mean, it's intense battling up there, especially when you're in or around the top five. I mean, nobody's giving an inch. Um, you're, you're all driving to the very limit of the car, especially when you've only got one or two laps to go. So that was one of the most fun races, aside from the track being fun. From a racing perspective, I would say that was one of the most fun races I've been in because I felt like I was battling hard with guys right from lap one. There was really no give and take, but at least from my perspective, luckily I didn't really feel like anyone did anything overly uh, egregious or dirty around me either. Like it was just, Good, solid, clean, hard racing, and that made for a really fun afternoon.
1: Well, and you've kind of grown up with road racing, obviously, as a big part of your your background. And so I would imagine that going into this race, you had to be pretty confident that this may be a race where you could use that experience and that wisdom that you've gained doing all of the other road course things that you've done um, in order to get yourself up there and and race for the win. Was that the case to me? Were you more confident going into this race because of that? Yeah, I would say so.
0: I mean, I I tried to work with my sponsor, Hot Scream, and, and pick a schedule that included tracks that I felt like I would be fairly strong at so that I could get them the best showing that I possibly could and, and get myself the best showing I possibly could. And they said they wanted to do a road course, and we looked at them, and I figured, you know, Watkins Glen, you're going to have some cup guys. That race can be a little more difficult than the others. Mid-Ohio is a tight course. There's more contact. You might end up on the wrong end of an on-track incident, like I did last year there for Fury Race Cars. So I looked at Road America and said, well, this is just a real straight-up road course. There's nothing... Monkey about it. Nothing overly uh, novel about it. It's just a, a good old-fashioned road course that I feel like I'd, I'd be able to capitalize on, and um, I, I feel like I, I was able to do that. I mean, as I said, ideally, I think maybe I could have finished second or third. I'd say the 20 car and the 18 car had a little bit more speed than I did, but we were we were a top three or four car for sure. Um, so at best, we'd have finished third or fourth, and we finished fifth. So I'd say. I was pretty darn close to getting the most out of out of our day and um, to, to, to get a top five as a part-timer in a part-time car um, was definitely a cool accomplishment. So um, hopefully I'll be able to be back in a seat at some point this year um, and, and be able to have some more fun like I did this past
1: weekend. What's it been like to race for Richard Childress Racing in their Xfinity program and the limited starts that you've had this year because... We know that they're one of the strongest Xfinity programs out there. Uh, Just ask Tyler Reddick. He's doing pretty well right now. Um, But what's it been like for you to get that opportunity to go and sit in that seat and just have to worry about driving the car as opposed to worrying about owning the car and all of the things that you had to deal with with your own team with Fury Race Cars uh, previous.
0: It's been good. I've definitely had a lot more time to focus on the training aspect and the preparation, um, sim time, all that good stuff that RCR has to offer because, as you kind of touched on, they do have a lot more resources and tools that I can uh, use to my advantage than than we did last year at our family team. So um, that's been cool, and I feel like even though I've only driven a couple races, I feel like I'm a better driver and competitor and athlete this year than, than I've ever been. Um, so I think that, that helps me on track as well. Um, but uh, I wish that I could say I spend 100% of my time focusing on the driving, but I still don't because I'm, I'm the one kind of leading the charge on sponsorship for myself sure. as well. I find that I get the, the best response rate from companies when the emails are coming from me and written by me. Um, rather than just somebody from my team, so um, I, I've spent a good chunk of my time this season working on that and trying to add races. We we grew our schedule from a four race schedule to a five race schedule, and now trying to grow it to a six race schedule. And um, you know, those that may sound like a, no, a low number compared to a thirty three race season, but there's not as many guys out there as as you you would think who are really getting legitimate sponsorship to help fund their racing. So. Um, I, I look at it as five races is uh, a big accomplishment because it's a lot more than zero. So,
1: Absolutely. So that's
0: what that's what I've been spending my time on, and and I've continued to spend my time not only on 2019 but on on 2020 as well. And I'm I'm trying to get things together for next year. I don't have anything um, locked down yet, but um, we, we've got a lot of irons in the fire, and I'm and I'm hoping to be able to get a longer schedule next year because. Uh, I think the continuity aspect of working with the the same team, the same crew chief, doing many races, back-to-back weekends, just getting in the routine of things really helps with the small details and making sure that you can maximize your weekend. When uh, when you're in a series as competitive as the Xfinity series is with so many talented drivers and teams, the little things are what make the difference. I mean, uh, in all five of my races so far, I have race and past guys who have gone on to finish top five but i didn't get the top five at the end right. of the day and four out of those five races so it's just cleaning up the the little things for myself and, and my team also uh runs part-time i'm not only the i'm not the only part-time guy but the 21 car of course doesn't right. run every race either so just trying to get everybody in a rhythm and communicating and gelling together um instantly in a weekend without having that that relationship weekly with them absolutely um, it's challenging so that's something that i'm looking for next year trying to get to be in the seat more often i mean ideally a full season but as many as i can possibly get because i think that that would not only be great experience but i really think that the performance would would actually increase as well
1: and with that, we'll talk more with Kaz in a moment. Lead lap back right after this.
7: This is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Hey, welcome back to Lead Lap Radio. Wow, I'm not sure what that was exactly, but uh, we'll uh, move forward from there. Welcome <laughs> back to Lean Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker with you on a Monday night talking racing and Kaz Krala on the strutmasters.com hotline. And uh, Kaz, we've been uh, talking about... Road America and your fifth place finish and uh, your time with RCR this year. I'm curious. Uh, you talked about the sim time earlier, and I know there are a lot of fans out there who are listening to this show or watching us now live on um, 25.2 Daystar TV in Charlotte. And their their ver- vision of what you're doing in a sim is racing, But in fact... The sim, the simulators that you have access to, that the manufacturers have access to, are far more in-depth and realistic than even iRacing is, right? Tell us a little bit about uh, the sim that you're able to uh, have the opportunity to learn in for these tracks that you're racing.
0: Yeah, so there's actually so I deal with two different simulators. They they have one at RCR um that's in-house and they also uh have access to the the Chevrolet one um that that is at Pratt Miller. So Okay. Uh the R, the R s they run on the same program, it's the same graphics, the same physics. Uh the only difference is the RCR one does not move. It it's more like the traditional seat and wheel setup like you would have at home, although I'm sure you can imagine it being on steroids from that, but sure. it doesn't move. Uh, the The Chevrolet one is actually an entire cockpit of a car, roof and all, shifter, dashboard, oh, wow. steering wheel. You have no different visual inside of it as you do in a real race car, um, and with the curved projection screen, full movement, uh, and it's got multiple. Uh, proprietary ways inside the car and inside the seat as well that give you um, the, the real sensations of uh, braking force, uh, lateral force. So uh, that, that is the, the most accurate sim, I would say. You can really get on that um, and practice as a driver um, and feel like you can get into a rhythm and, and have, a, have a preparation edge going into the weekend compared to others. Um, whereas the one at RCR, we mainly utilize for uh, tuning the setup. Actually, so the the physics uh, inside the the model is unlike iRacing. It's actually done off of the true tire model for the the race that weekend, off a of real track scan um, that's always constantly updated. Um, and, and the race teams and manufacturers write their own software to make it so that the the physics of the tire uh, really are accurate to real life. And at the end of the day, with simulation, the tire is the big thing you're you're talking about, because that's what meets the, the asphalt. That is 100% what dictates whether a simulation is accurate or not, is exactly how that tire behaves and responds to wheel input and uh, cornering force, braking force, and so on. So, Uh, We use the RCR one to tune our setups and get ready for each weekend uh, with our teams, and and we use the Chevy one whenever we get uh, access to it as drivers to to really help ourselves prepare for the race and at the same time, of course, work on the setup there as well. So um, it's pretty valuable, in my opinion. This is the, the first year that I've ever personally had access to nice simulators like this. Of course, last year, running for Fury Race Cars as our family team, we didn't have anything like this, right. I had iRacing. I was just going to exactly say, Exactly, yeah. <laughs>
1: You had iRacing.
0: So it's been pretty cool this year getting to, to learn all about the, the simulation aspect of the sport. And I'd say it's helped me um, going into these races, especially being out of the seat for so long in between races. It's definitely a great way for me to kind of get my bearings again and warm back up before the race weekend.
1: Talk a little bit about uh, working with Tyler Reddick and the relationship that you have. Do you have any type of relationship with the Cup guys as well with RCR? I mean, talk a little bit about the inner team opportunities that you have to learn from the drivers uh, at RCR who you know may race in the Cup series as well as uh, Tyler and Xfinity. Yeah, I've gotten the chance
0: to to talk to Austin and Daniel a little bit. Daniel, I know from racing myself I've raced against him in multiple series on the way up. Sure. Um obviously Austin I haven't raced around quite as much but I've definitely gotten the chance to talk to them and pick their brains about some things here and there but Tyler and I work really closely together since we're both in the xfinity program we we work out and train at the shop together most days um and and go to the simulator uh at the same time so um we we've definitely bonded quite a bit this year and he's he's been really cool to work with because he's not only a, a really nice down-to-earth guy who's just fun to hang out with but he's obviously doing a heck of a job on track this year so um anything i can learn from him and and talk to him about at the track is is really valuable so um he the the last couple races he's been leaning on justin haley and i because he doesn't fancy himself a road course racer although after these last few races i would i would say he's a road course dark horse because he, he's really pretty good. I, I think he's better than he thinks he is. So uh, that, that's been fun, kind of seeing the roles reversed where he, he's kind of asked us some things. Um, but, but normally we're, we're trying to chase him and, and gain knowledge from him because he's, he's done a lot more Xfinity races than we have, and he uh, won that, that little championship thing last year too. So he, he knows a thing or two about this series, um, and that's been awesome to, to get to work with him.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, I think Justin fancies himself a dark horse, and I think he likes to fly under the radar, so he kind of does the whole, you know, well, I don't know if I'm a good road court, you know, or, you know, the whole Richmond thing was the other thing that was funny. Um, you know, he, I think he kind of just likes that role, but you guys um, being now kind of more closely tied on the track... Um, must be kind of fun because I know, I know you're very close off the track, so, you know, you can carry that over and actually work with each other a little bit and help each other out. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, it definitely is, uh, it's cool to get to sit in the meetings with him and (laughs) have such a close relationship. So, I mean, that, that helps, I feel like in productivity, um, maybe hurts every now and then in productivity (laughs) as well, but, um. uh, no, it's good. We work together well on the track, but um, it's it's a cool relationship on track because we we work with each other. We never work against each other, but at the same time, uh, we'll race each other harder than anybody else and clean but hard. Um, and and have some really good battles. That it seems like I've gotten around him in every single one of my five starts so far and um, battled with him tooth and nail. So that's been really fun. Um and. I know uh, I know he's come out on top a couple times, and I've come out on top a couple times.
1: <laughs> so I got to ask you, because you have one of the coolest sponsors, literally, uh, on the circuit right now, Hot Scream Spicy Ice Cream. For those in our audience who don't know what that is, tell us what Hot Scream Spicy Ice Cream actually is, because I think this is insane, honestly, and I think it's one of those ideas that... You know, you think about it, you would never think about it, but then you think about it, it's like, well, sure, why not? Talk a little bit about your sponsor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Hot Scream is is a great sponsor, and uh, to give you a little background on them, we actually got the connection for them through a fan last year, Um, a a fan of us at Fury Race Cars who liked what we were doing as underdogs um, and, and tried to bring us this relationship to help, and lo and behold, it did. Um, And and they really are uh, a really passionate company about NASCAR and want to do their advertising here. And I think it's the perfect product for for our audience as well. I mean, it is spicy ice cream. It's all vanilla ice cream with a flavor swirl in it. And it's not weird flavors like you would think with spicy ice cream. There's no buffalo wing or uh, hot sauce or anything like that. It's regular ice cream flavors, chocolate, strawberry, caramel, black raspberry, um, all sorts of good stuff, but it's just got a little bit of a kick to it um and it's a really cool flavor profile it's kind of like you know with desserts where you have like salted caramel you got the salty and the sweet or like lava cake with the hot and the cold this is just a different version of it it's it's sweet and spicy um so it's it's a really really good combination and uh definitely something I'd urge all our fans to go out and try because not only does it help support me and my efforts but it's really good ice cream, too. So it's really a win-win.
1: What's your favorite flavor that you've tried so far, and where do the fans find this ice cream? Is it in all stores across the country, or where, do you, where can they find it?
0: Well, I'm currently working on trying to get them into more and more stores, because the more they're in, the more they'll sell, and the more sponsorship I'll get. So that's what I'm working on. Um, if you go to hopscream.com, Uh, you can search in their map uh, your zip code and find the the closest location to you. They're available in over 400 Walmarts and uh, over 150 other stores, uh, mostly across the Northeast, but we're working on trying to get them available even more nationally. Um, But personally, I really like the salted caramel and the black raspberry, but I'll be interested to hear what what you and our listeners think when, when they get a chance to try it. I've had Uh, a bunch of people tweet me pictures of their ice cream and giving me their thoughts about it on Twitter and on Instagram. So uh, I I always love hearing about that. So if you're listening and you you try some hot cream, spicy ice cream, let me know what you think of it.
1: Okay, so what we need to do, Kaz, is after Labor Day, uh, we're we officially start. We're going to officially kick off uh, our TV live TV broadcast of these shows uh, in Charlotte on Daystar twenty five point two. We need to get you up here to the WSIC studios in Statesville and get you to bring some of the Hot Scream ice cream up for us to try, and we'll try it right on the air during the live show. And we'll talk about it.
0: I think that sounds like the best idea either one of us has come up with on this call so far. So I'm in.
1: Okay, so we'll set that up uh, with your lovely PR girl. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get Jessica to set us up a time for you to get back into the studio here. Uh, look forward to doing that. And, uh, of course, Kaz Gralla, uh, where can everybody find you on social media just so they can keep track of what you're doing? And you got about 30 seconds.
0: Uh, you can go to casgralla.com There's links to all my social media from there, but that'll be at KazGrala on Instagram and Twitter, and I've got a Facebook page as well.
1: So that's Kaz, K-A-Z, Grala, G-R-A-L-A, at KazGrala on the social. We appreciate uh, you taking some time to talk to us. Look forward to getting you into the studio with some hot scream in the next few weeks. That's KazGrala. We're going to step aside when we come back. More of League Lap Radio presented by HMS Motorsport after this.
6: At what age and size should a child start using a booster
5: seat?
4: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
7: Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Lee Lap here on the Performance Motorsports Network and also live now from the WSIC TV studios here in. Statesville, North Carolina. Uh, we're live on Daystar TV 25.2, which is the home of WSIC's programming on the radio, uh, on TV, I should say. And so we are live now on TV in the Charlotte market. 25.2 Daystar TV is our new home for all of our live shows here from Race Chaser Media. And uh, happy to be with you on a Monday night. My name is Tom Baker. I'm joined by James Mellick in the WSIC studios. We uh, just spoke with Kaz Gralo. We're going to have Cars Tour race winner Bobby McCarty in the studio with us shortly. He should be along literally in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so. And we're going to talk with him a little bit about what's going on in the car's late model scene and his win this past weekend, which I know was a big one for him. Meanwhile, we uh, of course focused on the Xfinity race at road America. Uh, Chris Bell, getting the win. Austin Sindrick, second Tyler Reddick, Noah Gregson and Kaz Grala rounding out the top five, Justin Haley, Chase Briscoe, Jeremy Clements, Justin Allgaier and Cole Custer finished out the top 10. if you look at the playoff standings in the Xfinity series, we'll just give you, uh, an updated look at the standings here. Of course, uh, You know, Darlington coming up, and we've got something special going on there uh, as well. But uh, Tyler Reddick still atop the standings right now. Uh, Chris Bell second, Cole Custer third, Justin Allgaier fourth, Austin Sindrick in fifth. Chase Briscoe, Noah Gregson, Michael Annette, Justin Haley, uh, John Hunter, Nemechek, Brandon Jones, and Ryan Sieg rounding out the top 12. Uh, right now, and then 13th in the standings, Greg Galding, he is about uh, 118 points or so back of Sieg. So, um, I think that we can kind of look and say that, um, we feel like those 12 are the guys to watch for the uh the playoff spots in the Xfinity series, but I think we're still talking about for the most part. A four-horse race with some outside potential exceptions. Redick, Bell, Custer, and Austin Sindrick. Love the way Chase Briscoe's coming on. Love the way Noah Gregson's coming on. Justin Allgaier, Justin Haley, two guys that seem to always be there. And then you've got Nemechek, Jones, and Sieg that show flashes here and there but not as consistent up at the front. So you kind of look at it and you feel like the championship right now, at least, um, going to be decided by one of those four drivers, Reddick, Bell, Custer, or Sindrick. But then again, let's go back to 2018. Not a single one of us was talking about Tyler Reddick as being the potential champion, with this playoff format and the fact that if you can get to Homestead, you can win the championship. doesn't matter what you've done up to now. You look at the final four and you've got Reddick, Bell, Custer, and Sendrick, but you've also got Allgaier, Briscoe, Gregson, maybe even Haley that could be in there um, as well, depending on if they can get hot. So, And then it comes down to one race. But I love the fact that uh, we're still seeing Reddick, Bell, and Custer at the top of the standings. And I also love the fact that Algeyer and Cndrick are really still within striking distance of second, although right now Redick on points is uh, you know is a good bit ahead of
2: those guys, except for Bell. Yeah, don't forget, though, as well. If my memory suits me correctly, uh, going into Homestead, the last two years, it's been a JRM car that's won the championship with Byron two years ago, and then um, last year being Redick. So what about Allguyer? Well, you know, you look at those
1: circumstances and you say, well, two years ago, I feel like Byron was one of the dominant cars of that year. I mean, the junior cars were really good that year. And I feel like Byron was one of the dominant cars of that season. Uh, A year ago, Tyler Reddick had a relatively mundane season with a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, situations that weren't his fault, some that were. Um, and, but he was just good enough to get himself into the playoffs and then just good enough to get himself to the final four. And then when it counted, Tyler Reddick was on top at Homestead, not just by a little, he blew the field into the weeds at Homestead. So I kind of feel like that was the, each year was a different circumstance, but both years, the common denominator was that the junior motorsports cars were really, really fast all season long, though not necessarily last year in Reddick's case. Um, this year, I feel like the junior motorsports cars just this far, not not a lot, but this far off in speed for a lot of the year. Yes, Allgaier's contended. Yes, Gregson's been in the top five. But for the most part, who have we been talking about? Reddick Bell, Custer, Sindrick, and now Briscoe with the occasional visit by one of the, Again, it's a one-race shootout. If you get there, you can pull it off. But we know Custer's super strong there. We know that last year Bell was strong there. We know Tyler Reddick's super strong there. Uh, you know, Briscoe and Cindric uh, we don't know, really know. I mean, I think it's going to be harder for, for one of the junior cars this year to to get to the Final Four let alone win the championship at homestead against the competition they're running with. But who knows? Again, we gave Reddick no shot, or at least I personally gave Reddick no shot based on his season. Well,
2: that was dumb. And as of right now, there's <laughs> still a shot that a driver that's not won a race could win the championship. I mean Newman almost For did sure. it Newman almost did it a couple years ago in the yeah. cup cars. This could actually happen if all guy or somebody who hasn't won a race um goes to homestead and gets herself in on points by running consistently.
1: Yep. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I feel like we're we're in a situation this year where you have got four or five really fast cars, you got all guy and Gregson that I think, like I said, they're this close. Um, and if they can kind of they've got a you know, obviously once we get into the playoffs, all you gotta do is get from round one to round two, you know, to round three, et cetera. If you can if you can get to homestead, then you got a shot at it. And if they continue to improve their speed and now, of course, this coming weekend at Darlington, you're going to have Dale jr out there in the number eight car. Um, and so that's going to be an opportunity for jr. Maybe to provide some feedback that could help make the difference from a speed standpoint and maybe get the team back to where they need to be. Um, you know, I I just think this Xfinity Series has been glorious to to watch and to follow this year. Um, And it's great to see a real multi-car Xfinity Series regular battle, multi-team battle every single week. And these guys are driving each other as hard as they possibly can.
2: Yeah, I agree with you for sure. I know a lot of people... Looked at some of the drivers that you're talking about now and thought, I don't know if they're ever going to turn into anything. Like you mentioned earlier, people with money, right? They thought they weren't going to develop into anything, and um, you know, I never didn't think they wouldn't for sure. I thought they were all talented drivers, and they're showing it now for sure. Now that they've got a couple years under their belt. Oh yeah,
1: well that's what I'm saying. I think you know, I we know we're almost positive Reddick goes to Cup next year. We we are basically positive that Chris Bell goes to Cup next year. We know where he's going to be. Um, Although no official announcement's been made, they might as well just get on with it. Uh, Cole Custer, we're pretty sure he's going to be in Cup, whether it's with an SHR car or maybe with the GoFast team. There've been some rumors about a technical alliance, and you know, you look at Austin Sindrick, and we don't, we don't believe at this point he goes to Cup yet. We believe one more year in Xfinity for him, and then maybe to the twenty-one if the rumors about. Uh, Paul Menard retiring after 20 are true, then Sindrick would probably get the nod for the Wood Brothers car. Although I heard one rumor that Penske would fully absorb that car, I just can't believe that the Wood Brothers wouldn't still be involved in a significant way. And I, I would probably shed some tears, in fact. But It's tough to be an independent in this sport anymore and be competitive the way you need to be and have the funding that you need to compete for wins. The Wood Brothers have been very fortunate to have this tie with uh, Penske to have kind of kept them going for a number of years here.
2: Yeah, being with that Ford company. That they run for, you know, they could still team up with like an SHR or yeah. maybe even go back to Roush like they did and teamed up and won the 500 there with Bain a couple years ago. So there are options for him to stay in the sport. I don't know if they're going to uh, split. Like you said, I haven't heard that rumor yet. It's the first thing I've heard of it there. So there are options for him to stay in there. And it would definitely be a heartbreak for me being a person watching uh racing growing up for as long yeah. as I have for the Wood Brothers to just, you know, no longer be at the racetrack.
1: Yeah. So we'll have to see where that goes again. That I stress rumor. Okay. But it does appear that there at least is some sort of an ongoing conversation about Austin Sindrick becoming the heir apparent to Paul Menard if uh, and when Paul Menard steps out of that seat. So we'll have to uh, see what happens with that. But again, the playoff picture in Xfinity definitely uh, shaping up here. And I think that this going into Darlington this coming weekend, Darlington is one of those wild card tracks where you can be, you can have a great record at Darlington, but all it takes is one slight miscue and you've got yourself a nice big old Darlington stripe and your day is at least severely hampered, uh, if not completely finished. So even though we talk about all these guys as being the big three, the big four, whatever, you never know what happens at Darlington in any division.
2: No, you don't. And real quick before we go to break, I want to say something. I know back in the day a couple of guys that I talked to said they used to put two-by-fours in the doors at Darlington so the doors wouldn't cave in.
1: That's how. That's
2: how tough it used to be at Darlington.
1: I can imagine. Well, you know, it would be fun to uh, get somebody in who kind of lived through that era as a member of a team and uh, talk about those days. I'm sure to be great. Uh, we'll look into trying to put something like that together for a future show. We got more of lead lap coming up around the turn, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Be right back.
4: When do you think of a plumber?
6: This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
7: Hi, this is Ty Ingram, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport. The leaders in motorsport safety, you can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. And of course, uh, we are now joined here in the WSIC TV studios in Statesville, North Carolina, by none other than Bobby Mack, Bobby McCarty, who picked up the win in the thrifty tire Mid-Atlantic Classic at uh, Orange County Speedway for the Cars Racing Tour this weekend, and uh, I know that uh, you kind of had to dodge some raindrops a little bit on Saturday. Bobby, I'm, first of all, I'm, a, I'm impressed you guys got the show in, and congratulations on the win, and welcome to the studio.
7: Thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate y'all having me on. It was, uh, it was a close weekend, uh, cloudy all day, a couple of raindrops here and there. Um, just glad uh, the car store worked really hard and, and got the whole show in.
1: Well, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, it's always interesting when you have a day like Saturday. I know that Caraway was kind of stringing along and hoping, 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 hoping. And then they just ran out of time to even, you know, try to try to drive the track or anything like that. It was still drizzling. It was one of those days where it just keeps coming and going. And um, I don't know exactly what kind of day you had at Orange County, but I'm guessing it was pretty similar.
7: Uh, Yeah. Um, I think one thing that helped us out a lot was the amount of cars we had. Uh, you know, we had a little over 50 cars between the two series, uh, well, two classes. So uh, just having, I think having that amount of cars and, and keeping them on the track and keeping the track hot was, uh, was what helped keep the, keep the track pretty close to racing conditions.
1: Well, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting series when it's dry. Um, I can imagine, was the track damp at all when you were actually racing on it? Uh, not during
7: the race. Okay. Uh, we had a couple weepers, um, during the race, but, uh, you know, you could drive around them, but, uh, qualifying got a little interesting, um, about the first five or six cars made it out and a light drizzle started, which didn't seem to be, yeah, uh, it didn't seem to be that big of a problem. And then about two cars before I went out, it started raining and, uh, we tried, they tried pushing through it. Um, one car got in the fence, uh when i went out i went to i spend the back tires when i take out pit road to get heat in right. them and then uh I, I go to chatter the right front to equally heat the front to the rear um when i get into three and when i got into three the whole car just took off into a four-wheel slide so i knew then we was we was in for a fun one um luckily we made it through no problems uh just really hurt our qualifying time but uh you know, they kept pushing through it and, and everybody got to qualify, which was, which was really cool. Um, we didn't have to base anything off practice times.
1: Well, that worked out really well. Uh, but I'm sure it w- there were some, uh, white knuckle moments. That-
7: yeah. Uh, it was sketchy. Um, it, it's hard to, to judge, especially, you know, we wiped the windshield off before I took off. And by the time I got on the back stretch, it was starting to blow back up the windshield again. So, uh, it got sketchy for a little bit, uh, especially hitting the, the weepers, but, uh, it's good for you. It, it works on your reflexes, so uh, it, it was all. It was fun. At the end of the day, it was it was pretty
1: fun. <laughs> kind of like skid pad training. Right? Yeah, it's good. Uh-huh. Good yep. for car control. Right? That's right. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, okay. So you you obviously got the win. Talk about the race itself a little bit. How? Uh, what kind of a race was it for you? You said it was kind of an up and down kind of weekend. Uh, the race obviously ended on an up note.
7: Right. Um, so qualifying was a huge letdown um just from where i I couldn't really put the throttle down um so we really didn't i didn't feel we get to show the get to seeing what speed the car actually had and right uh i think we ended up going like a 48 and the pole was a 30 or 29 right out of 30 so we was was almost two tenths off and i knew the car was faster than that uh we mocked up in practice it went to 37 so i knew we had more speed in it. it just uh, the circumstances just kind of prevented us from doing that, but we wasn't the only ones that got hit, you know, so it was, it was fair for everybody. I just, the car getting into the fence, two cars before me, just kind of put me on edge and, and you know, the points were, are a tight deal and I didn't, I didn't want to do anything crazy and qualifying. So, uh, we started 11th, um, the, on the third lap, the 88 car broke a flywheel, uh, leading the race and, and popped his oil filter. And, oh boy. uh, we was in the, you know, we was mid pack pretty much. Um, and they was going three wide and, and racing extremely hard for the, the beginning of the race. I felt like, and, uh, I kind of just kept half a groove down from the car in front of me just so I could see the whole field. And, um, in doing that, I was able to see the smoke and see the car start going sideways through the oil. And just from where I was committed to being so low, just trying to make sure I could see the whole field and and make sure I didn't get caught up in, in someone else's mess. I was able to uh, dodge all the oil, and we went from 11th to 3rd in, you know, half a lap. And uh, it was unfortunate. A lot of good cars got tore up, but, uh, you know, it was a good break for us, especially after qualifying. I wasn't happy after qualifying, um, but after the circumstances, it seemed like a, a blessing at the end of the day because uh, if we would have qualified where I felt like we should have, which would have been around the top five, then we would have definitely been in that deal. Um and we wouldn't have won the race. So uh, what I thought hurt us really bad actually turned out to be a, a pretty good lesson for us. Um, and then after that, you know, we just uh, just moved our way to the front. Um, Josh is who I've been racing against in the points. And Josh Perry. Uh, yes, yep. sir. Um, after that happened, I knew I had to to capitalize on everything I could. So uh, generally I like to ride a little bit before we go, and, and once that happened I knew I had to take the lead, lead the most laps, and, and win the race so I could – really maximize on points and, and we was able to commit on that. And, uh, it turned out to be a good weekend for us.
1: Well, and you know, it's it certainly, uh, obviously, as you said, uh, sometimes God's plan is a little different than yours. That's right? right. Cause if yes, you'd sir. Have been, yeah. Um, but you ended up winning the race now looking forward from here. I mean, um, do you feel like you're still in good shape in the points or, uh,
7: we should be leading. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I'm a firm believer in, in winning races will take care of championships. So uh we got two races on the schedule left for the season. Uh Martinsville and the season finale at South Boston. So uh we're we're really just going to win. You know, we, we won the championship last year and it, it'd be really cool to to repeat and and be a back to back champion. But uh at the end of the day we've we've been a little off this year. Um we, we definitely haven't had the year that we had last year. So uh it would mean more to me to win these last two races than than anything. Just to just to get our program back where it needs to be.
1: You said Martinsville and then South Boston. Yes, sir. Those are two famous NASCAR tracks that I I know for a late model racer. And you, I'm sure you've run Martinsville before. This is not a new thing. for yeah, you, Yeah, right? so you could say that. Yeah, you. Well, <laughs> that's kind of where I wanted to go. Is is Martinsville is is one of those tracks for a late model just like it is for a cup car that race can be absolutely brutal um how do you prepare for a race like that so basically
7: you just you just go through the car completely um race martinsville is is a long race for us um and it's very grueling uh especially on the the car and the driver um generally at a place like that we're pushing the brake pedal up to about 250 pounds of pressure getting into each corner. So uh, you're using the, the middle the middle pedal a lot, uh, working the brake and uh, just a lot of loads. You go from a really high speed to a really low speed. And for late models, that's not that's not one thing that we do often. If you really look at, at our speeds around the track, we're almost running, we're about 20 miles per hour off in the middle of the corner as we are going down the straightaway. And Martinsville is the exception. You have to slow down so much to make the corner. Um, so, it's just really hard on the equipment. It's, it's, luckily, it's, it's in the fall time, so it's not too bad on the driver. Uh, cooler temps definitely help with that, but uh, just a lot of a lot of moving parts on the, the front end that's going from hardly any load at all to, to way past what our normal max load would be at other places. So, uh, it's definitely hard on the equipment. Um, it's a long race. Uh, it's a lot of cars. It pays a lot of money, and uh, that's definitely a place where luck can take you a long way
1: it feels like a race like martinsville is almost you take you know 30 40 cars however many they're starting this year and you put them in a hat and you just basically (laughs) hold the hat up tip it over and all the names (laughs) fall out and then you whoever hits the ground first you pick them to win right because there's really you know you say it's a Mm -hmm. long race and so you think in your head okay well i got to take care of my tires i got to do all these things but you know, at the end of the day, it's almost more luck than it is, it is. skill. Because yep. you gotta be you gotta survive long enough to get to the end to even try to have anything left and employ a strategy to win.
7: Yep. So uh I've ran this race three times with, with Nelson Motorsports and uh the first year I was subbing for Timothy. Um he had truck obligations and couldn't run the race, so I subbed in the twelve car and uh we was running third right there with the leaders uh and and I, I felt i was a little bit quicker and and i was going to pull the pass and then marcus richmond uh my crew chief for that day said uh not to pass we definitely want to be in third with 25 laps to go um so i backed off just kind of rode right there in third and uh all the gauges went empty uh they oh. all cut off and coming wow. out of two it started sputtering and it cut off so oh. that ended our day there and uh the next year we broke a flywheel which was one of the oddest things i i I don't know. And then last year, uh, we got in a little bit of trouble after uh, qualifying. We qualified fourth, and uh, we bent the rules just a little too far, so we had to go to the rear um, in the heat race. And we start the honesty <laughs> there. We bent the rules. Well, you know, too far. Uh, and and you know us and the tank officials, that. we had a we had a long conversation. Like I told them, it's our job to push the gray areas; it's their job to catch us. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we got called and and we took our medicine and. And started in the <laughs> rear of the heat race. And, uh, we started 26th, uh, it was a 25 lap heat race. We drove to 10th. So we transferred in and then we started 38th in the race, drove to 6th, uh, guy in front of me, missed a shift, uh, guy behind me, I, I don't know what went on, but, uh, he got into the back of us, it smashed all the front of the car, ended our day. And wow. I was, I was really bummed cause we passed so many cars and I didn't put a scratch on it. And throughout the race that day, I'd been leaving a gap you know, for every restart, just to, just to be prepared for a misshift or anything. And we lined up sixth on that restart and I'm like, okay, we're at the front. Like I can't, I can't leave that gap no more, especially since I was on the outside at that track and, uh, I didn't leave the gap and, and I got caught, you know, so it's been a rough three years. We've had fast cars, you know, Nelson Motorsports builds really good cars. We've just been unlucky.
1: And with that, we'll step aside for a moment. I know James wants to jump in. We'll let him do that when we come back. More of the show right after this.
7: but it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the
3: show.
1: Hey, welcome back to Lead Lap as we continue with the program tonight presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. And, of course, we've also uh, got uh, two other Companies that are involved with our family here at Race Chaser Radio that we really appreciate. Mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. We're going to tell you more about them a little later in the show. And strutmasters.com, the suspension experts. It doesn't matter now if you have a car, a motorcycle, or a truck. They now can make your ride better on your truck. Go to strutmasters.com. And check out everything that they can do to make your ride a softer, more comfortable ride. Uh, And uh, we're just real happy to have all three of those um, uh, fine folks involved with our shows here. We're in the WSIC studios in Statesville, North Carolina. Bobby McCarty has joined us. Bobby from the Cars Tour, one of the top NASCAR late model racers in this part of the country. And we were talking about... uh, Martinsville and uh, Bobby Mack's kind of lack of luck there. And I know you were interested, James, in the comment he made about uh, how they had uh, kind of gone a little bit too far and gotten caught with a little bit of uh, a little bit outside of the rule book there at one point one
2: year. Yeah, I like how he said that because a lot of people look at it and they say, well, they got caught cheating. Uh, not technically. It's, there's a gray area in, in gray racing. Area. And I like how you came up and said, you know, hey, there's a gray area there is and that's that's part of it that's uh, why teams that's how teams get advantages yeah. on other teams is because they find that little bit of speed and mm-hmm. that little bit of area and it's a gray area and i like how you said that yes sir
1: well you know and it's fun too because that's really you know we look at nascar and we of course you know cop those series get all the publicity and some of these teams let's face facts here they're not playing in the gray. They're 20 miles beyond it. And some <laughs> of it's just like, what were you thinking? But it's fun. It's fun when a short track team just tries to stretch just a little bit. It's kind of not really getting outside of the box. They're just expanding it. Right. And, uh, you know, and I guess from the standpoint of being a fan and probably a media person in terms of always looking for the next story. Um, it's also fun when you get caught. So,
7: yeah. Uh, <laughs> but not for you. <laughs> well, I thought, I mean, you know, it, it was what it was. You know, I, one of the things that I've really picked up from Timothy or coach me in the last couple of years is, you know, when things are just always stay calm, you know, keep, keep your head where yeah. it needs to be and stay focused. So, uh the team sweating bullets you know we're starting last in the heat race we got 25 laps to make it to the top 10 and and i'm sitting here like man i'm about to have the time of my life driving (laughs) through the field at martinsville like it can't get any better than that they was all sweating bullets and i was excited i'm like man this is gonna be cool for me i I couldn't wait (laughs) but uh it it was pretty cool man and we we had a good time
1: see i was i was just talking to another racer about that yesterday actually and the idea of you know. You don't want to, you obviously, you love to start up front and just leave all the laps, get it done, right? That's the easiest, cleanest, least Preferred stressful method. way to do it, right? <laughs> but at the same time, we're, you know, I've been a racer, you're you you you're a racer, you love the challenge of starting in the back and racing your way mm-hmm. to the front. You know, some of my best races in go-karts, which is what I race mostly, were those type of races where you start in the back and you're on the outside and you're battling oh, yep. for every position. It's just fun racing and you know for you like you said you just remain calm i would imagine timothy peters with his experience in the national series coming back to late models and you being able to learn from him must must have been an extremely or must be an extremely valuable resource for you
7: oh it's it's awesome man you know with with timothy peters and uh David Triplett, uh, he's mainly my crew chief. Uh, he he raced a lot of late mile stuff. He's been was, around a while too. Yes, he has. Yes, and, very uh, successful. We got Marcus Richmond from wow. uh, KBM. He's he's kind of on the side. He don't get to come to the track as much, but uh, you know we have a lot of smart guys. And, and Barry Nelson is probably one of the best car owners there he is. I mean, he he loves racing to right. death. So uh, definitely surrounded by a good group of guys that 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 love racing and they love competing and they love winning. And there's just so much knowledge between them and. You know, for, for me, I've been doing this since I was six, you know, and, and just finally be able to get into a spot with with this type of personnel around us. You know, it's, it's really cool. I, I've learned a lot in the last in the last few years. I, I've settled down a lot. I'd say it would be the biggest thing I learned is just just staying more calm, you know, and, and more collective and, and making the right moves at the right time.
2: So I got one here for you. You said you led on, um, yeah, Timothy a lot there to get your knowledge. And we know you have a young – driver in the stable over there with you right now and ty how long how much does he lean on you for support and and knowledge because you led on timothy to get that
7: so Ty's Ty's ran two races with us we got uh ty gibbs driving a few and uh sammy smith um he's been driving quite a few races with us and it's it's really cool when the young kids come through and and they look up to you and, and ask you questions you know they they ask your braking points you know your your rolling points how your car is handling where you get on the throttle how the race is going to go and uh, you know it's really cool just to pass on the knowledge uh, especially to the next generation um, you know it's funny I said I was talking to uh, somebody with the car store and, and I'll be 27 this September wow and I, I thought I said I'm an old man in this sport now you know most yeah, of these sure guys are. that are coming through are 15 16 years old and you uh, you know, and, and Ty and Sammy's a, a really good point of that, you know, Sammy's 15 Ty's uh, 16 or 17. And, uh, you know, they, they listen is, is the biggest thing. And, um, that's, that's the hardest point is, is just getting them to, to listen to what you tell them. And, and once they, once, once the trust is built there, you know, you can, you can really work on other things other than just getting the car right and making sure they're driving the car right. Everything starts to click at that point. So, uh, you know, it's it's all about the trust, and and like I said, they're they're willing to learn. That, that's the biggest thing.
1: And Sammy obviously is learning well because he finished right behind you in second the yeah. other
7: night. Yeah, he's uh he's ran four or five races with us. I'm trying to make sure I got this right. Uh, first race uh, was at a speedway. They went three wide in front of him and crashed, and he had nowhere yep. to go and smashed the front end. And he still come back to eighth. And after that, he and a lot of these tracks is first time he's ever seen them um after that we went to motor mile he finished third uh we went to langley which is a a really tough track to get around and and he finished third there as well and uh finished second this weekend at at, uh orange county so uh again it's the the younger kids coming through is i mean he he asked questions he asks a million questions and he listens. so uh he he's going to be really good
1: well he certainly shows that that kind of promise and you know it's interesting because of course we you know, we talked at the top of the show about uh, Tyler Dippel, who's, you know, run into some issues off the track that, that are now have him indefinitely suspended from NASCAR. And I made the point in that, that segment that, um, you know, these kids, a lot of them, they grow up, we're asking them to grow up very fast. Right. And in some cases, they're kind of, you know, there's nobody in their daily life who's really... Working on their mental decision making and you know and all of that, um, it's a it's a different sport than it was even when you were coming up through. Yep. Is it not in yep. that sense at this level at the short track level?
7: It's uh it's very stressful. There's there's a lot of things that go on and um, you know the biggest thing which is it's a double edged sword. I feel like is media. You know media can can make you somebody very famous and at the same time it can it can be, it, it right. can do bad things for you. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, all about how you present yourself to the media and, and that image you present for yourself and, and the companies that you represent, you know? So, uh, like I said, media is a great thing. I, I love the media. I can keep up with racing everywhere. Um, and it's, I think that's really cool. And you really get to understand the drivers in a, in a different point. Um, even if they're racing on the West coast. Sure. So, uh, I think the media is a really good thing and, and it's a good tool for us drivers to use, but, uh, that's really the only difference from uh, what well, I feel like from now to back in the days. We didn't have all this media available to us, and and you know reporters doing this and that. And uh, I feel like it's it's really the same situations. Just back in the day, it was a lot hushed more because it, it wasn't just so available for you to pull your well, yeah, phone you, up and right and find out. You know what it's I mean? It's on so, demand now. Yep, you know, pretty it's much. literally
1: up to the minute, and everybody's got a camera.
7: <clears throat> yep, and that a, too. A, you know,
1: a video camera on their phone and and all of that. So you you know, the the accountability has mm-hmm. to be so much greater in your, you know, your sense of where you are and who you're with and what you're doing. You got to always be assuming somebody's is watching. watching. Yep. And so, you know, I feel like it comes down to just personal behavior and personal responsibility. You've got to know how to handle yourself. And I think a lot of times these kids, these younger kids need that constant reinforcement as much as they need to understand the race car and how to drive it
7: right and that's that's one of the things that that timothy really helped me with a lot uh it's just my the way i present myself and 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 the way i handle situations um before i was a hothead uh you can ask anybody that's a lot of people uh, yeah that's
1: why you know i said at the top I, i don't you know i wish people would just you know, lay off Tyler a little bit because obviously he's got to be accountable for his behavior, and he will be. Right, right. But you know, you it's know not as situation. if he's the only one yeah. who's gone too fast in the car or whatever. Right. You know? yeah.
7: and you know. Um. And, and you know, the biggest thing, like I said before, and, and really for anybody coming up through the sport, is you just got to keep the right people around you at all yes. times, and that's the biggest thing. You keep the right people around you that's keeping you in check and making sure you're doing everything it is you need to be doing, then, then you'll be okay. So, uh, you know, it's like any, anything, any other sports there is, you know, if you got the right people around you, you can, you can accomplish almost anything as long as everybody's got the exactly. same motivation. Yeah. Um, you get a couple bad apples in the bunch and it can take a, a what would be a perfect team to a, a, a less quality team. So it all comes down to who you got around you.
1: Show me who you're with, and I'll tell you who who you are
7: that's right that's you it know, That's
1: really what it comes down to is you want to make sure you're always around the right people and the people that you're allowing to influence you are not influencing you in the wrong way. And that's, unfortunately, we see more and more examples of that, not just in racing, but, you know, in life today with these younger kids. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's hard to watch sometimes because you know that basically they're really good kids. We're going to step aside. Uh, if Bobby will stay around for one more segment, we'd love to continue to talk with you. So, Yes, sir. Uh, we'll have more with Bobby McCarty and more of the show Right around the turn, Lead Lap Radio, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. Be right back.
3: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less,
5: It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes, on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com.
1: You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent ya.
0: Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style's a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road... It becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk.
4: A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, this is Spencer Boyd, and you're listening to Race
1: Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lap here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we're also live now on WS, WSIC-TV. I promise I'll get that right after a while. WSIC-TV uh, 25.2. It's Daystar TV in Charlotte. Tom Baker and James Mellick in the studio handling the show. And Bobby McCarty with us who uh, is one of the top late model stock racers runs for Nelson Motorsports, autos by Nelson, the main uh, sponsor. You've got uh, a few sponsors that help you out. Probably several actually. Uh, yeah, let's see if few. you can remember them all. Cause yep. you didn't write out a list.
7: Uh, no, I got this. So, no pressure. No, sir. Um, so we got autos by Nelson, uh, Kirk with solid rock carriers. He come on, uh, for a few races last year and, uh, come on full time for this year. And, uh, working on things for next year. I believe we're, we're going to stay partnered up for next year. So uh, we're really happy about that. And, uh, we got blue Ridge color company, uh, BTS tire and wheel, um, found out today that orange County was their first win sponsoring a car. So oh, wow. uh, good. we're really happy about that. Congratulations uh, All the folks
1: that beat yes BTS sir. tire and wheel. Um, That's
7: awesome. It was really cool for me. Uh, last year I won uh, solid right carriers, the first championship, um, oh. as far as cars they sponsored. And, and now hearing that, uh, we won BTS their first win It's it's a lot of first in two years
1: so if there are any businesses out there that are <laughs> looking to sponsor a car that want to get to victory lane really really fast this guy right here bobby yeah. mccarty
7: we do okay um <laughs> but yeah so uh so all is by nelson solid Rock cares uh bts tire and wheel uh blue ridge color company bst shocks charlie long engines uh a and e race cars uh goodridge um and that's it that's all well, of
1: you've got uh got a good list there and uh you know you got some some folks there like uh kirk that do so much oh yeah for the sport in this region the carolinas region uh what's it been like to be able to get to know kirk and i know solid rock obviously a tremendous business
7: oh yeah they uh kirk's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet he, he just loves racing um he, he sponsors a lot of cars he sponsors a lot of races he has a lot to do with uh carter at county speedway mm-hmm. yep. uh southern national speedway i mean he's he's really really involved in racing and uh it, it's really cool um i feel like that's really one thing that short track racing is missing is there's just no real connection you know most of these sponsors are you know well this is my uncle's business or you know whatever the right. case um, and, and Kirk doesn't really have family ties to racing he just loves racing he just wants to be a part of like Barry Nelson sure um, they just love racing that's their thing they grew up watching it um, they grew up attending races and uh, they just love being a part of it and that's that's Kirk's thing is uh, he just wants to be on a race car and uh, you know you see Kirk sponsoring a lot of other cars at the racetrack too um last year he sponsored all of the autos by Nelson entries at Martinsville and uh, wow. he, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's he, he. I'm truly blessed to, to be partnered with someone like him. And, uh, it's good times, man. It, like I said, we're, I'm surrounded by really, really cool people that, that just enjoy racing 100%. That's all they want to do.
1: now you're still late twenties. I mean, late twenties, late okay. You've kind <laughs> of hit that point with the late models where, you know, you're kind of at the top of the 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 latter in in that form of racing um not necessarily too late for you to take steps up especially in this day and age where it seems like you know, it, there are more opportunities opening up, say in the truck series, for someone to do a couple races, three races, and then try to kind of parlay that. Is that something that you still think about, it, or are you really just happy to finally be in a position where you can have a a good, fast, hot rod under you in the late model stocks, and just content to do that now that you have the family and so forth?
7: You know, I'm happy where I'm at. You know, I, like I said, I'm with a great group of guys and uh we do really well um and, and we're more like family now uh one of the guys jeff Seston, on the race team he was my best man at my wedding and oh wow. uh, i mean like we're we're, we're family we, we do a lot of things other than racing together so it's not it's not it's not business with us you know we're, we're really personal we, we have a lot to do with each other's lives and um i'm happy where i'm at now of course, I want to move up, right? They, you know, that's your whole goal. I, I start, like I said, I start racing go karts when I was six. This is this is yep. all I know. Um, so I then, remember I, those days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going on 21 years of, of being a part of racing, and, <laughs> and it's, it's my life. <laughs> um, this this is all I know. You know, I, I didn't do anything else. This this was all I cared about, and uh, of course, I want to make it higher. I, I I'd love to be in Cup someday, just to to really prove to myself if I, if I can or can't do it, you know, and, and that's, that's what racing to me is all about is, yeah. is being better than the next guy. So I, I'd love to move up and, and, and venture up. I, I'd love to do some super late model racing, some, some truck racing and, and just see where I'm at and, and see if I'm capable. But, uh, just the way the sport has gone in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, it, it makes it kind of impossible for guys like me. It's, it's really tough to get in there. It's, it's expensive. Um, you know, just, the way it's kind of played out you know the odds of that happening is about the same of me winning the lottery (laughs) it feels like but uh you know it's it's cool man like I said I I love what I'm doing um I'm around a great group of guys and 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 like with the trucks you know if you got to be smart on on situations like that you know if you do get approached with opportunity it might just be that one that might be your only shot so you got to make sure it's in a, a truck or, or whatever the case a car or super light whatever you got to make sure it's, it's quality stuff that you can log a good 50, top 15 or top 10 finish maybe to show that you can if you if you get in a lesser truck and let's say you finish 30th then nobody's really going to look at right. you so uh opportunities like that you got to be smart and make sure you you go the right way because that could be your only shot and if you don't do it right then that's the end of it so uh you know, definitely keeping my eye out. Um, you never know what could happen, but, you know, at the same time, I'm in a car that's competitive to win races every weekend, and that's going to be hard for me to to get out. Even yeah. if I could move up, you know, I, I I want to win races. That's all I care about. So I'm not going to leave somewhere for where I know I can contend for wins right. to somewhere that I feel like I couldn't.
1: What do you see in, so when you look at the NASCAR late model situation in the southeast here? What do you see positive what do you see negative? What would you like to see? Because it, it seems like we've kind of gone through a little bit of a slight downturn in some ways. And, of course, there's been an ongoing kind of, you know, this track has its own rules. The other track has their own rules. It's kind of just, you know, divide the field, divide the field, divide the field. What do you see right now as the state of the division? And what would what would you think? Say that needs to happen in order to continue to, to make it grow stronger
7: you know the, the biggest thing is the, the cost to win ratio is really what I look at. How much do you have to spend to go run here and, and what's the reward? you know what, what's your best case scenario of coming out? Um, so I know what it cost me to run a car race. I know what I could possibly win, and if I win, then the the win is more than my cost. So running the cars tour is twelve races um not that many races, so you're racing practically every other weekend right um from march to to August and then the last one's in November um But you look at some of the other tracks where they're running twins and twins is a good idea. It splits it up is it's more bangs for the fan bucks, and that's really if, if the fans ain't there, then we're not there um so it's good for the fans, but you know to win a twin race is generally just fifteen hundred dollars um a lot of tracks have done things with tires to to make the cost less um but the the win reward is just not there um if you look at the car store we average about 25 cars a race and that's far better than than some of these other tracks you know i think most of them average anywhere from 16 to 18. um so the the biggest thing is we just gotta figure out how to pay more to win the race um and we got to back off on a lot of these rule changes. We're we're changing way too many rules every year. You got to buy something new to be competitive, and and it's tough. You know, um, I, I'm in a position where I'm blessed with sponsors, and I have that opportunity to where if I need something, I I can get it. Uh, but it's not based just off of guys like me in the sport. You know, where I have the sponsorship It's is right. based more off of guys that don't have the sponsorships. We have to find a way to keep everybody coming back, um, is is the biggest thing. So, uh, and and like with NASCAR, NASCAR does a great deal. Um, the NASCAR wheel and all American series is really cool, but, uh, we need one guy in charge. I I really don't feel like, you know, who's in charge of that deal. Um, and, and that's a problem. If you can't go to the head guy and talk about your problems, then who do you talk to? Right. Um, so, there needs to be one guy in charge that's in charge for a while and becomes familiar with everybody, and I think that would that would help out a lot.
2: I got one quick question for you. He was talking to you about if you went to the Cup Series, trucks, whatever, so on and so forth. Is there one of those tracks that you particularly would love to go to more than any other one? Could you run all these local short mm. tracks. Is there any track in those series that you're like, you know what, I really want to go run Indy or Daytona or Dover or something like that? Is there any of them?
7: Uh, there's actually quite a few. Um <laughs> the flat racetracks, man, uh Martinsville, uh, New Hampshire. We race Bristol in the late models. I thought that was really cool, which that's a bank track, but it's a, it races like a short track. But uh you know, if you just you know, Phoenix, places that, that don't offer mechanical grip from the banking, you know, I feel like the races are so much better and, and I'd love to get in a truck at Martinsville. Like I, I feel like I could I could make that happen. Um so hmm. I I'd have to say Martinsville. That'd be, that'd be. if someone called me tonight and said, hey, I got a truck, do you want to race it? And where do you want to race it? I'd definitely say Martinsville. I'm really familiar with that track. Uh, I feel like I get around there pretty good, so uh, I'd have to say Martinsville.
1: It's a good choice. I mean, and I think uh, with your experience there, obviously, that would give you a little bit of a leg up as well to uh, catch on with the truck.
7: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the, the truck's put on great racing uh they do I agree I know a lot of a lot of fans aren't really happy about Kyle Bush when he races but you know at the end of the day if you're running trucks you plan on going to cup or you have means to get the cup um What's the difference if you race them in a cup car or a truck car? You know, well, I,
1: mean? I feel like at the truck level it just steals the thunder it it does you know, because we're all talking about Kyle yeah. instead of the guys that need the publicity. but I it hear. does, but we'll hold that thought. We'll talk about it when we come back more of we Lap radio around the turn.
0: How to be a great dad in fifteen seconds.
6: Hi, this is Chandler Smith and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio, now back to the show.
1: Very lively re-entry to bring us back here. This is our lightning round, by the way. Generally a quick sequence of kind of toss-up sort of questions. But in this case, uh, we're going to make an exception tonight here on League Lap as we have Bobby McCarty still in studio with us. And we really appreciate uh, you spending uh, the last hour uh, w- will be of the show with us Uh And we were talking just before the break, uh, James had asked you, was there a track in NASCAR that you'd kind of like to run? And you were talking about the flat tracks and we started talking about truck series and you were making the point about Kyle Busch running the truck series. And you and I started to kind of go back and forth a bit on that. Um, Make your argument for Kyle Busch being in running truck races or Xfinity races and why you feel that's that's a good idea. Well,
7: it's not really an argument for him to be there. I, I think it speaks more volume for the drivers that race against him and that can beat him. So Brett Moffitt, prime example. Right. He's beaten Kyle Bush a few times. And if you look at just the media outreach when he outruns Kyle in the trucks, I feel like it, it reaches a lot more people than if Kyle doesn't race that weekend and let's say Brett wins. Um I think it speaks a, a lot more volume for the drivers when they do cuz they know the KBM trucks are the top notch. It's you know it's the best you can get in. Um so I feel when you outrun Kyle in a truck it it speaks so much more about you as a driver cuz you're you don't care who's in the truck. You don't care that it is Kyle bush You're going to take it to that guy either way. Um so I mean like we was talking off there I, you know dropping back to five races is I feel like is a good idea or three or whatever the case. Um, because he does win a lot, um, but I feel like for the the kids coming up, it, it teaches them a lot early, and it really shows who they are as far as a driver. See,
1: here's my counterpoint to that: is you know, Kyle Kyle was five. I think he's five for five or yeah. six for six, <laughs> something like that, in, the, in his last you know x number of truck starts. Um, the it, I understand that it's it's good to learn from him. But you got to be able to keep up with him. You're you're not learning from him if he's lapping you.
7: Right. And
1: and the hard part for me is I watch him, and he's his other two drivers, Todd Gill and Harrison Burton. You know, Kyle goes out and you know takes off and leaves, and those two kids are struggling, and you know Kyle's saying, "Well, you got to figure it out." Well, but Kyle, it's demoralizing. I mean, that's mentally demoralizing when you you believe that you're in the best equipment in the series and, you know, that one truck, it seems like anybody that gets in that 51 truck is gone and you're struggling to keep pace. Um, And so it isn't, and and I don't even like using Kyle as the example. He's just the most obvious one because he he runs more of those races now than most of the other cup drivers do that that win. Um, But... Cause I, I, I understand Kyle's talent and I respect the heck out of it. I guess that's part of my whole argument is this guy's one of the best to ever sit in a seat. And I feel like it's, it's difficult when he wins, because that's what we talk about. Like you mentioned, you know, Brett Moffitt beating him in, in the media that comes with that. I agree. Um, The problem is. Brett's still in trucks.
7: Yeah, yeah, that's true too.
1: So you know, I I feel like you, those guys in trucks in Xfinity, like the Moffats and the guys that are full time in Xfinity, you get these cup guys that come down, and you know, you're you're talking about wins and dollars, and you know, so, and I think the other problem I have is that. Back in the olden days, when the cup guys used to come down and run those races, they were doing it with their own equipment. This wasn't cup-level equipment. Now, Kyle, I understand he owns his own. But he's got the very best resources available. It's just a different time, and I feel like... It's hard for the younger guys to get to the next level and get the attention they need because sponsors, as long as the cup guys can go down and run those races, sponsors are demanding that they have those guys. Right. So it's a two-edged sword. Yeah. So I think the more you limit the starts they can have, why don't we run Daytona and Talladega or whatever, that's fine. You know... But I think that those series need to be developmental series, and it's hard, you know, when Tom Brady goes back and makes a start for his high school kind of thing, <laughs> you know, um, against the kids, you would expect Tom to have a pretty good day. Yeah, um, well, you um, know, so there's two sides to that. I think. I, I think, and
7: I don't. You might agree with this, you might not, but I, I think the biggest thing is is some of these kids are moving through these series way too fast.
1: That I totally agree um, with. Like you look, one hundred percent.
7: Like the Carson race Saturday night, I was talking to Regal. We raced first. uh, Supers raced second. I I went up into the stands to sign some autographs, the top three do after every race. And uh, you could just see the people leaving. And Regal said, man, why why are all these people leaving? I said, dude, if you look at the Super Late Model Series, you might see a kid in there for a year. And then he's gone. So you look at Bubba Pollard. Preston Peltier, Donnie Wilson, all these guys that's been doing it for a while, they had the biggest fan base. They, they, they do. have bigger yeah, than true. bigger fan yeah. bases than some yep. of the local late model drivers. Yep. And it's because there's nobody there to pull for. I don't I feel like sometimes, you know, these kids they move those too fast. They don't they don't really, you know, sharpen their talent and get where they need to be. And then they're 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 in too deep too early. And it, it stunts their growth more than anything. Instead well, of building a foundation and then moving, you know, and I think you it started hurts them. to make
1: the point. They go through the short track level so quickly it's they haven't build a fan base exactly. And and everybody blames NASCAR for this.
7: It's not NASCAR.
1: It's the short tracks. The short tracks were the ones that started allowing your Chase Elliotts, your Ryan Blaney's, That generation were in were in late model stocks and or super late models at like 12. Yeah. You know, and you've got drivers that have started in late models at 10 or 11 for crying out loud. So, the short tracks are the ones allowing that that kind of force NASCAR's hand a little bit and the NASCAR fan base has to realize that although these kids are only 18 or 19, they've been running big cars for six or seven or eight years. Okay, when Back in the day, when you couldn't start racing a big car till you were 16 or 17, that's why you were 24 or 25 with the same experience getting to, to NASCAR Cup. So it's a different situation that, that gets presented there. And um, I wish all of the short tracks would just stop yeah. and go back to a you know, 15, 16-year-old age limit <clears throat> And keep these kids. And then you have, because then some of these divisions, like the junior late models that are starting to be popular, let them get their experience and cut their teeth there running with other kids and then move up and and run with the pros. James?
2: My next question is this Do you think that some of that has to do with these young drivers moving up as quick as the sponsors? The sponsors try to find their way to the top with the younger drivers that they think have, have talent. Do you think that's part of it? I'm just curious. I don't know.
7: Uh, not really. Um, most of what I see firsthand is most of these drivers, it's a family business. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very big family yep. business though. Um, and, and they just, they just move way too fast, you know, It. and I, I read an article. I, I read a lot, um, from everything from animals to surviving in the Amazon. Like, I just, I like to read. That's, that's kind of Good my thing. Good for you. Um, my we, wife thinks it's funny. I, I tell her all these weird facts and she, she looks at me like I'm crazy sometimes. Why but, do you uh, know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so why do you know that? Uh, but I read an article, and I, I, I'm i trying to think. I'm pretty sure this would what it said, but back in the 90s, your average Winston Cup driver at the time was 34 years old. And yeah. that's, again, I'm 27. And I'm an old man in this sport. So that that really shows you how much this has changed in the, yeah. in the last couple of decades, and 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 like you touched on, you know, these they're moving so quick. They're not building a fan base, and that's what NASCAR is missing. They yes. there's no connection to these right. drivers. You can't exactly. you can't connect to some of these kids because you don't know nothing about them. And if you do, it's, it's hard to really find that you know, connection. You know, and,
1: you know, you instantly the label is they must be a spoiled little rich kid, <laughs> and not all of them are. No, no, not know? at all. And That's the thing. I mean, like Kaz Garla, we had an earlier. Kaz is out getting his own sponsors. Yep. You know, and so it's, you know, and these kids at 14, 15, 16 are in these super late models or whatever, and they're still 14, 15, or 16. Their brains aren't fully developed yet. They they Their decision-making processes aren't there. Right. And this is why you mm-hmm. see what we've seen this week and in, in, in situations where they get in trouble for doing, you know, stupid stuff, right? Yep. Because, you know, they start to think that they're kind of invincible. Yep. You know, and they get around other kids who then dare them or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know, people think this is hooey. It's not. It, we went through it when we were younger, um, you know, and, and did things or whatever. And so it's just that now, as you said earlier, with the media the way it is and social media, it's all public. It's everywhere. You know, and so there's you've got to really, really be careful. So it's it's just an interesting, um, an interesting discussion to have but i wish i wish the tracks would get together and raise the age limit back up at least a year or two because i i just think we've we've gone a little too far putting 10 and 11 year olds in full-size cars against adults and 12 year olds i just think i i i I understand a lot of them have done it successfully but you know i just i i I I feel it's
7: more that haven't done it successfully than those who have i'm sure like like I i remember watching ryan blaney um and i feel like he he might be one of the uh, exceptions. I remember watching him in a Super at Dillon. He lapped all the way up to third place. Yep. I mean, this and he was he was smart with his car. Um, so every once in a while you find those few exceptions, but yep. it's it's few and far between.
1: All right, real quick, we got about a minute left uh, in the show. Hit your sponsors one more time.
7: Oh uh, yes, sir. Uh, Autos by Nelson. Got to thank them and uh, Solid Right Carriers, uh, BTS Tire and Wheel, Blue Ridge Color Company, BST Shocks, A uh, and E Chassis, and Charlie Long Engines.
1: All right. Well, Bobby, we appreciate you being on the show. I had a yes, great sir. time with you Thank and look you. forward to having you back soon. And that's it for Legal lead lap for tonight. Thank you to all the folks with WSIC TV, the Performance Motorsports Network. Thanks to Bobby McCarty and Kaz Grawler, our special guest, James Mellick, our producer. My name is Tom Baker. It has been my pleasure to be your host. And we get set to cut out of here final thought for tonight if you're going to a racetrack this weekend bring a couple of kids with you and introduce them to the sport and here's something else to keep in mind you cannot change the world but you can touch just one life i learned that from fellow pmn show host mitch walker and he's exactly right more of lead lap radio next monday night so long everyone
0: you've been listening to lead lap radio powered by hms Motorsport. The leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Lead Lap Radio is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of the show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of race chaser media. Thank you for listening.